and welcome to this Gateway House special podcast on defense budget. My name is Tamir Patil and I am a fellow for international security studies. Today, we are joined by defense expert Dr. Bhartendu Kumar Singh. Dr. Singh is from the Indian Defense Accounts Service and has done his PhD from New Delhi's Jawaharlal Nehru University. He writes extensively in his personal capacity on defense economics, defense modernization, and on Chinese military. Dr. Singh, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Samir. Thank you. The union budget for 2021 will be presented by Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman. This is the first budget since Prime Minister Narendra Modi spoke about his all-encompassing vision for Atmanirbhar Bharat in May last year for India's economic growth in the post-COVID era. As always, the defense services have big expectations for the budget, but this year they have acquired a renewed sense of urgency due to the months-long standoff with the Chinese People's Liberation Army on the line of actual control in the dark sector. Prospects for resolution of this standoff look green in the near future, and that means Minister Sitaraman is expected to make provisions for contingency spending. But availability of resources is certainly a challenge before the government, as evident from the incremental increases in the defense budget over the last many years. Moreover, a majority share of the defense budget is spent on paying salaries and pensions, which severely impacts capital expenditure for new equipment. Many innovative ideas have emerged to make up for this resource constraint. For instance, the defense acquisition policy launched last year talks about leasing of the hardware as a way to make sure that substantial funds are not tied to the expensive equipment. Dr. Singh, what is your view on this year's Indian budget for the defense sector and Atmanirbhar Bharat? Uh, Samir, uh, given the trend the last couple of years, uh, meandering should be expected from the defense budget this year in the sense that the trajectory will uh, remain more or less the same in spite of the uh, fact that we have had a very bad year in terms of economic growth. So uh, last year, the gross uh, defense budget was uh, somewhere around 4.7 lakh crore. Given the trend that it is around 4 to 5% of growth every year, but complicated by the fact that we have a negative growth fact in the field. I don't expect much of a growth, uh, either the trend will remain the same or at best uh, 4 to 5%, it will certainly be less than 5 lakh crore rupees. Of course, in terms of the defense indigenization, uh, last year, Nirmala Sitaraman announced a series of defense reforms, uh, including raising the foreign direct investment limit from 49% to 74% in the defense sector, under the automatic route and the promotion of corporatization of the ordnance factory board. Uh, in addition, the government also imposed a ban on 101 types of weapons and equipment, including artillery guns, missile destroyers, basic aircraft, uh, multi-barrel rocket launchers, etc., which demonstrated that sufficient uh, defense industrial capacity does exist now in India to manufacture these items. Of course, in the short term, uh, this defense production may cost us more, but eventually in the long term, it will help by developing the economies of scale and thereby saving the foreign exchange. In addition, initiatives like the Strategic Partnership Model and the IDEX program, innovations for defense excellence uh, for the defense startups have sought to make the domestic private sector industry a partner in this uh, endeavor. Dr. Singh, what is your assessment of India's efforts in achieving self-reliance in defense? There has been attempts for the last 40 to 50 years uh, in the sense uh, that we wanted to uh, reduce the import component uh, but sadly, the import, import components have remained in situ. Almost 70% of our total armed and weapons have been imported in the last few years. And all our efforts notwithstanding, this proportion is not coming down. Therefore, 
the uh, bold initiatives in the last year onwards is is quite significant as you have rightly talked that fdi percentage from 49 to 70% the corporation but let us remember one thing samir um, we might be talking of sporadic efforts like corporatization ban on uh, certain number of items unless until we take a national resolve that at least for the next 4 to 5 years come what way we should and we shall not import anything bulky capital uh, uh, high value items from uh, foreign countries there will not be a significant boost and impetus uh, uh, required and uh, solicited for the domestic uh, military industrial complex that is number 1 number 2 mere corporatization or mere uh, policy decisions will not uh, serve our purpose so far it, it is quite well known that the efforts towards pushing up the domestic arms uh, industry or the domestic military industrial complex in india is largely on part of the government the uh, uh, solid hand support has to come from the private sector as well in the sense the kind of support the kind of entrepreneurship the kind of initiative the private sector has uh, evidenced in other sectors of the economy particularly it sector automobile sector engineering sector that kind of initiatives are yet to be uh, taken in uh, this thing. and in that context defense industrial corridors provide a lot of opportunity for our private sector to grab the business opportunity to grab the incentives to grow uh, to grab the concessions uh, and to grab the opportunity and the momentum provided by the government and be a big helping hand uh, so unless until we take these initiative initiatives a big national resolve and a helping hand from the private sector our imports proportion uh, i'm sorry will remain in situ right and that actually brings me to the third issue that i want to discuss the state of defense r&d uh, which has remained a major weakness for india uh, of course in recent years under make in india initiative going beyond the drdo the government has encouraged the private sector including the startups to participate in the defense uh, r&d i already spoke about the idex uh, program which has been off to a great start by identifying startups which will develop niche technologies for the armed forces uh, one area which has relatively gone unnoticed is india's foreign defense technology collaborations with countries such as japan and the united states as well as uh, with israel and russia of course these efforts may appear modest in comparison to china which was one of the largest arms importers till two decades ago but is now the world's fifth largest arms exporter dr singh you are a china military specialist please tell us what is china doing right and if you can learn anything from its policy we need not learn all the tactics used by the chinese uh, because some of the tactics used by the chinese are slightly unethical in the sense the chinese have also unashamedly resorted to theft of you know uh, theft of technology i think as a democratic country we did not and we should not re- uh, resort that but there are certain good things that we need to learn from chinese example uh, the foremost example is their building of the university uh, system and giving it a great linkage right so uh, that is one thing that, that is the starting point if we want to have a good domestic r&d base the uh, foreign collaborations are just a modest step they can just be a lightning wind they can be just a small screen for you to step into the world of r&d but they cannot sustain you into the competitive world and r&d the uh, momentum shall be sustained and perpetuated proliferate in the long term only by having a robust university system indulging in science and technology research and having good industrial linkages and that brings us to the sad part of the story that our research and technology uh, r&d efforts particularly in defense is bereft of a vibrant and dynamic linkage with the university r&d system so therefore our defense uh, people need to 
take up innovative schemes to sponsor healthy project-based R&D systems through university systems, and that will give them commensurate and vibrant and goal-oriented, mile-oriented uh, results, number one. Number two, we also need to move beyond this uh, DRDO uh, things. We have seen that in the last 40 to 50 years, DRDO has had certain significant areas of achievements, particularly in missile R&D and all those things. But if you want to have a comprehensive R&D uh, for defense sector, we certainly need to move beyond uh, DRDO. And whichever private uh, agencies in private sector is willing to help us, support us, we should take their help. And I believe Indian industry uh, is quite mature, uh, quite uh, resourceful enough to sponsor certain kind of R&D in defense sector as well. So from that kind, uh, perspective, we need to move beyond it. Uh, the fourth thing is that over a long period of time, we need to promote uh, uh, more patents, more uh, innovations. I mean, how many patents do we have? How many innovative schemes we have? So the uh, uh, research-based incentives, let me give you one example. Today, a DRDO scientist produces any uh, innovative scheme or uh, gets a patent. What is the incentive for him on a personal basis? He will still get his uh, promotion in terms of increment, but the kind of rewards, the kind of incentives, the kind of uh, benefits a private sector scientist will get, that kind of reward system is not there. Either. So that kind of commensurate reward system we need to have in, in India as well. Right, and of course, uh, one thing which China has done very well is in terms of looking, identifying the emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence, blockchain, machine learning, drones and robotics, and identifying these technologies as strategic technologies and making sure you know that it has made a right kind of investment into those technologies. So five years down the line, you know, when other countries are discovering these technologies, China has already had a first more advantage in some of these uh, domains. Uh, one thing that I wanted to also ask you is, uh, how do we stack up against China if we look at just in terms of defense sector reforms? We should remember one thing. We need not match up to the Chinese defense efforts brick by brick. Let us remember one thing. China is a big country. It is uh, territory was three, three times more expensive than us. It has a larger economic GDP base. It has a larger military. It is a big country by any standards. So uh, to compare India's military or India's defense sector capabilities vis-a-vis -vis China, I think that will be slightly harsh on our own defense preparations. But having said that, we need to remember that we need to have our uh, defenses robust enough, strong enough, so as to have a strong deterrence so that it will be not a win-win reward for China to attack us or to engage us in some kind of things. And I think from that point of view, we have moved uh, quite a way uh, uh, from 1962 uh, uh, onwards. So remember in 1962, our condition was quite pathetic uh, in terms of uh, uh, capacity building, in terms of uh, uh, force modernization. And uh, right. in the last 42 50 years taken commensurate steps, commendable steps. So today, if you talk of how far India is able to hold against China, I think we can hold, we should have that kind of self-confidence that we do not bother about China's defense modernization uh, from a threat perspective. We can hold on. We may not outrightly win, but we will not lose also. We should have that kind of self-confidence and we should commend our armed forces from that point of view. And just to end, we just to go back to the point that we discussed earlier in terms of the the share between the revenue expenditure and the capital expenditure. For a very long time, you have also argued in terms of reducing the size of the military. Uh, again, looking at what China has done uh, over the course of three decades. How do you look at that particular issue? Samir, you see, me and you are outsiders. 
so me and you suggesting a particular size of the indian armed forces again it will be harsh on our armed forces but let us remember one thing me and you can certainly tell what has been the global trends and i'm and i'm sure uh, uh, the entire uh, countries uh, uh, aware all the strategic experts are aware the chinese armed forces have come down from a high point of 4.9 million to 1.7 million as we talk today and not all china is not the only example we, we have had all other great powers that has that have made a, a, a sustained progress in a manpower reduction with united states with united kingdom with france most of the great powers uh, have had successful manpower reduction policies and lo and behold they have not had any uh, effect on the great power status all the great power status remains to the peking order remains in, uh, in situ so therefore i think learning from their lessons there is a healthy uh, scope for similar kind of manpower reduction in india's case also uh, so without taking a concrete call on what should be the ideal size of the indian armed forces i i think i'll not take a call on that but i'll certainly suggest let, let us let let us learn from the chinese example if china can bring it manpower by more than 50% bring it down by more than 50 why can't we if we claim to be a modern uh, army we need to learn the best of the best lessons from all the modern armies and therefore there's a huge 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 potential for manpower reduction in india's case also that is number one yeah, yeah. if we, if we talk of reducing the revenue capital uh, ratio uh, there is no way out other than uh, working on other areas today we may not be that sensitized but take it from me maybe 5 years down the line maybe 6 year down the lines the pension reforms will be one of the monsters we will facing in the defense sector reforms today it is almost more than one third of the defense services estimates it is almost 1.3 lakh crore last year uh, defense uh, defense uh, budget uh, so if you don't take concrete steps so uh, maybe 5 years down the line 6 year down the line it will be it will become beyond control and therefore we need to bring uh, serious reforms in pension areas maybe what we have in civil sector like non uh, new pension scheme uh, that kind of system need to be introduced uh, also in uh, last but not least if you have to uh, bring this down to uh, revenue capital ratio to a healthy proportion i think it is high time that we need to introduce the idea of resource mobilization we are so far talking only of resource saving resource management we should also talk of resource mobilization resource optimization resource generation from within the armed forces mind you they have got huge resources within their territorial areas and uh, some of those uh, particularly non strategic segments can be put to good commercial uh, use and they can uh, lend us uh, a good amount of money that can be that can reduce the revenue capital to a balanced portion and bring them to a healthy proportion maybe 60 40 in the long term uh, thank you dr singh so let us see what uh... Nirmal Sitaraman has up for this in the union budget. Thank you very much for Thank joining you. us and sharing Thank your you. insights on the defense budget and the related issues. We'll Thank surely you. be tapping more of your expertise in the coming days. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank and that's a wrap on this Gateway House special podcast on defense budget. We will see you again soon for another episode of GH podcast. Please visit our website gatewayhouse.in and our social media channels for more analysis of India's foreign and security policy.